probably heard the reports on TV and watched and listened and heard so many of the anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian you know, protests, especially on the Ivy League campuses. How many people are aware of what I'm talking about? And you hear all the negative and all the things are going on. But I want to tell you just a little bit of good news. Since the beginning of the year, God has been moving across college campuses like never before. I mean, probably like the days we were there, it was booming. But God is doing amazing things. And I've been trying to track throughout the year. And I've lost count of the universities and colleges that God has been having a massive influence in times like they haven't had before. So when, when Asbury broke out in February, it literally spread across so many of the southern states. And I know people track NCAA football, right? If you track, you know, the ACC or the SEC or the Big Ten or the Pac-12, you're like, what about those praying those things for God to move, amen? But God is really doing it, and, and I literally have a list of, from Lee University to Sanford to Cedarville to Ohio State University, Wright State, Michigan State, Harvard had a massive meeting in April. They had hundreds of people gathered. Um, uh, alumni came and gathered with undergrads, and they got this scripture, Isaiah 43, 19, see, I'm going to do a new thing among you. Isn't that awesome? And all you hear from Harvard is all the negative, and you know, I talked to a guy after the service who's telling me that back in the early 2000s, they started a Justice House of Prayer. I don't know if you guys remember that. We went and joined them for a week and did prayer. This old antique church, Cambridge, and just rocked the building for, he did it, Lou did it for 40 days. We joined him for about five or six or seven, but there's been a, there's a movement happening there. Isn't that good to know? Like God is doing stuff. So along with Azusa, Azusa Pacific Region, Auburn University, did you guys hear about Auburn? Was it early September? They had a night of worship and prayer, and 5,000 kids came out for a night of worship and prayer. And then a few of them came to the leaders after and said, we want to get water baptized. I think it was over 200, almost 250 kids got water baptized, baptized in this little lake outside this, what they call the Red Barn on campus. Isn't that awesome? Stuff you don't hear about. These are good news things, all right? God is moving, and you can go on and on and on. Texas A&M, Western Kentucky, Lee, Baylor. I mean, the list goes on and on. Even the local, our University of Valley Forge, used to be Valley Forge Christian College, they've had a movement where guys are extended worship and prayer, and it's not anybody trying to make anything happen. It's the Holy Spirit moving upon people. Isn't that awesome? Say, yes, Lord, thank you. Why am I saying that? Because the youth of America are hungry for the real thing. They're hungry for righteousness, truth, justice. They're hungry for the authentic thing. And the world is not offering it, and they're realizing this quickly. Like, there's nothing out there we want. It's God who's what, who we want. Are you there? They're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, truth. I love it. So thank you, Lord. Really good stuff's happening, all right? Hey, well, listen, a quick direct word I have to you today, and I've been, something's been burning in my heart, and, and I love what God's doing around here all the time. And, and, um, but I know there's many scriptures, if you've read them, sometimes they can appear um, contradictory. Did you ever read that? And I remember as a young believer, I read in Ephesians, like, obey your parents and Lord, honor your mother and father. This, you know, brings long life. And then, and then I read in Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus has these big crowds and they said, hey, your mother and your brothers are outside. And he says, behold, who are my mother and brother? You know, he says, those who do the will of my father. And he points to his disciples. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, wait a minute. Which is it? Both. All right. And it's always in context, isn't it? If you look at Proverbs, he talks about, you know, answer a fool according to his folly. And then he says, don't answer a fool according to the folly. And you're like, well, what is it, God? And it's always in the context, isn't it? It's always in the context. We have to look deeper. And Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But then Paul writes in what? Acts chapter two, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They're both true, right? But if when you read those, sometimes you go like, what is happening? And why am I saying that? Because I have two words today that I feel like they, at first they appear contradictory. They appear like, what are you talking about? This one and that one? And the first one is the word fight. And everybody knows about fight? Yes, fight. I'm talking about fighting the good fight of faith. 
Now, some of you guys are more familiar with fight or fighting than others. Those of you who come with a big family, four or five, six kids, you're probably very familiar with fighting, right? I was raised in a family of six kids. I was the smallest, youngest, say it that way, now I'm the tallest, but I was the smallest, the youngest, <laughs> little tycoon is what they nicknamed me, and I was the smallest of the youngest of the four boys, and um, anytime we had a, you know, played basketball, checkers, it didn't matter what it was, ping pong, football, we'd end up in a fight, and usually the person who lost started the fight, so that was usually me. <laughs> so, so when I got saved and I read about, hey, he said, fight the good fight of faith in First Timothy, I said, yeah, this is fun because the only good fight is a fight you win, right? You guys know that? And I thought, man, I like this. I like this Bible stuff. I'm <laughs> just being totally honest. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And I was like, I can relate. It's a good fight. We're going to win, right? But we realize in the kingdom, our fight is not against flesh and blood, right? Ephesians chapter 6 says that. A fight is not against flesh and blood, but what? It's against the rulers, the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, right? So we got to remember, okay, we got this, we, this fight of faith. We got to just ba- break it down so we understand the, 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 what do you call it, the, the basics, you know, the whole, how could I say it, the real simple things of faith. We remember without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, right? Because those who come to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and he rewards those that are coming to him consistently, right? Are you there? And then you go like in Romans 12, it talks about each of us, each person's been given a measure of faith. Now, what we do with that faith and how we develop that faith, how we grow that faith, hey, that's the part where God's like, come on, let's go. Are you with me? Okay, so Romans 10, 17, we know that faith comes, it increases, it grows in our life as we hear and hear and hear and hear and hear the word of God, right? I know. These are like the real simple things. These are the fundamentals, if I could say it, of faith, right? So we hear this thing. We hear that if God's for us, who can be against us, right? We hear that he, can, he teaches us and leads us and guides us into all the truth by his Holy Spirit. I mean, on and on and on. We know these things. And the more we hear the word of God, the more our faith grows, right? Yeah? And then in Jude 20, it says we build our faith. We like exercise and strengthen our spirit as we pray in the spirit. We pray in this heavenly language. We pray in an unknown tongue. It's still a mystery, right? Anybody with me? Isn't it awesome? I was telling someone earlier, because I'm reminded of Lou. We used to go to Lou's, uh, you know, a lot of the different events. And if you got there early and you got in the prayer meetings before the pre-calls, they do these things called rumbles. And these kids would just get in groups and they would just shout in tongues for an hour. So I didn't know anybody else was doing it. We were doing an airborne with our youth leadership, and we'd get in a room and just pray in tongues for an hour and just, like, grab the mic and just shout, you know. So when we went to Cambridge, Massachusetts to visit Lou and had this little group, we went up the night before. David was with us. I think Tim was with us. And we kind of snuck in, and we're like, these guys were doing what we're doing. Like, wow, there's other people doing this. You know, and they were all praying in the Spirit without praying in English and just rumble, and stuff happens. Like, I can't tell you, like, supernatural things happen because we're praying in an unknown language. It's still a mystery, but it sure is amazing. The more you do it, the more you're like, wow, I'm Superman. You know? <laughs> so, so we build ourselves up praying in the spirit. Are you there? These are the fundamentals of our faith. So if I'm hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God and I'm praying in the spirit, I'm having, this, I'm having time with him. When I have time with him, I'm getting to know him, aren't I? And Daniel 11.32 says, those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits, right? You guys there? One of my favorite scriptures. One of my thousand, two thousand favorite scriptures. So when I'm doing that, right, those who know their God shall do great exploits, that sounds a little bit like fighting the good fight of faith, doesn't it? It's like, oh, this is connecting here. Isn't it awesome? So thinking about this line, this is not a teaching about warfare, which I'd love to do. I did a class for a couple years on spiritual warfare for nine months, so we can get deep into it. But I'm just touching on a few things about fighting our faith, fighting the good fight of faith. Is that okay? 
Just to give a little disclaimer, you're like, you're not getting into the deep stuff. We don't have time, right? We're inspired Sundays, right? Here we go. So Ephesians chapter 6 says we're supposed to put on the full armor of God, right? So what do we do? We put on the armor of God, right? We've got the truth. We've got the breastplate of righteousness, right? We've got the helmet of salvation. We've got the shield of faith, right? i got my Doc Martens, so I'm taking the peace wherever I go, right? <laughs> the preparation, the gospel, the good news, whatever you want to say. Are you there? Come on. And then he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the very word of God. Now, when I was a young believer, I thought, man, I get all the armor. Like, oh, the enemy will never get in. And it was such a defensive mindset. But it's not supposed to be that way. He says, put on the armor of God. And then he says, verse 18, he says, now do something. He says, pray. Isn't that awesome? He says, pray at all times. Pray in the spirit. Pray for your friends. Pray for those in authority. Pray for, pray, 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 pray. Pray for the church. Pray for the kingdom of God to expand. Pray for us to have freedom to speak the word. He goes, another verse, verse 18. That's my, you know, whatever version, all right? <laughs> so, but we can pray. That's what's so good. Now, you guys remember Wesley and Stacey Campbell about 20, I don't know, a few years ago, they came out with Praying the Bible series. Remember that? We consumed it here at Life Center. They had books. I still have them all. Anyhow, they're amazing. But he talked about praying the Bible out loud to God every day. Do you remember that? And they got that down. Remember, Wesley's like so calm. He's like, you got to pray the Bible out loud to God every day. You're like, okay, Wesley, I got it. It's awesome, isn't it though? So he's talking about praying the Bible. I've talked to people about this recently. They're like, what are you talking about? Praying the scriptures, all right? Praying the prayers of Jesus. Praying the apostolic prayers. Praying the Psalms. Praying the prayers of the prophets. You can pray these things that are in the Bible. It's amazing. I talked to someone after the service, and they literally just discovered Colossians 1. Like, I've been praying this. This is amazing. There's like power in it. Like, exactly. You're getting it. All right? Are you there? Ephesians chapter 1 has this great scripture in verse 16. It says, don't cease giving thanks for you. And he prays this. May God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he goes on and on and on there. Ephesians chapter 3, a few more chapters over. He said, I pray that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. And then, and then he goes, so all these things will happen. So that Christ will dwell in your heart through faith. You understand the width, breadth, like that, all those things. It's amazing, isn't it? Which surpasses knowledge. It's so good. But we're talking about praying the scriptures. Colossians has another one. He says, man, in verse 9 through 12, in chapter 1, he said, I'm not cease praying and giving, giving thanks to you that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So God, give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Amen? So what am I doing? We're praying the scriptures. Isn't that awesome? It's so good. I love in First Timothy, we've been praying during election years. We prayed a few years ago, like, ah, oh, praying for those in authority. But First Timothy chapter 2 says, I urge that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people, especially for kings and all those in authority. Isn't that awesome? So pray for those leaders you don't like. Those are really good ones. I have a hard time having faith. Well, pray anyhow, all right? <laughs> See, pray for your, your superintendent of your school, your school board president, whatever. Pray for the mayor, the, the, the governor, the president, the, the vice president. Needs prayer, right? Okay? Yes, Lord, I, I get you, Brian, all right? Anyhow, it goes on further and talks about praying. He says, it's his desire for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. It gets in, in verse three and four, that same chapter. Isn't that good? That gives me hope and prayer that God God's desires for everyone to get saved. He wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. That means everybody's possible that I can pray for. Isn't that awesome? So what am I doing? I'm praying the scriptures. Secondly, so why am I saying this? This is how we're fighting the good fight of faith. Are you tracking? Just shake your head. Do something. All right. Got it. So another way we can fight the good fight of faith is pray in accordance with the prophecies. All right? Fight the good fight with the prophetic words that have been given to you. What do you mean? Praying those prophetic words that you know that God spoke to you, or even as a community, or as a household, or as your family, or as a church. Isn't that good? 
Remember 30-some years ago, we received a word about, I see a vast property up on a hill, and it'll be seen by the highway. And in about 98, 99, we started praying that word because we knew our season where we're at on South 13th Street was over. So we started praying. We didn't know it was for this place. But we got really intense about praying it for about, what, 12 months? And about 18 months, we moved in this building. Like, there you go. All right? Does that make sense? We're, we're, we're fighting the good fight of faith. Praying the scriptures, praying the prophecies. These are just a few things we do here. Isn't that awesome? So good. It's like, all right, guys, we're getting this. But if we do this, we, we're, we're gaining ground, if I could say it that way. I'm not just putting the armor on to be defensive. I'm praying the word of God. I'm praying the price, if I could say it that way. A lot of people pray the price around here for things we're seeing God do. Amen? Isn't that good? Now, here's the other word that I thought, like, wow, fight's really good. Here's the other word. Surrender. Like, Really? Isn't that the opposite? <laughs> like, give up, wave the white flag. <laughs> Personally, I'm way more familiar with the fight, okay? And then we're gonna like surrender, you know? When I think of surrender, I think, oh, I surrender. I'm like, really? 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 You know, I'm from Winston Churchill days. We would never surrender, right? You guys remember that? It was an amazing speech. Anyhow, it's like, ah! But I think, really, is this what we're doing? But personally, it's like, God, you're doing this. And I think surrendering to anyone or anything, it just feels counterintuitive, doesn't it? It feels unnatural to us. Like, really, we're surrendering? And uh, I know we see many of us saying with the word surrender, you think as a weak, as a sign of defeat. And it's just like not an option. But, but I think learning how to surrender to God is one of the hardest uh, most kingdom-like things that we can do as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. Would you agree? Anybody? And the older that I get, which hopefully I don't keep getting older, but that's just the way it is, right? <laughs> it's like, Holy Spirit, help us. <laughs> keep working out, right? Yes, amen. But <laughs> I'll just pause. All right, so when we surrender to God, the first thing we have to do is humble ourselves. <laughs> we have to humble ourselves and trust that God knows better than we do. All right, and that's a, that's a scary thing if you're a successful person and you've had any success at all. You think, well, I know how to do it. And what if he's like, yeah, maybe don't do it that way this time. And he's, he's changing, all right? We have to humble ourselves. Moses is a great example of humility. This is one of the guys who went from walking the halls of a palace to like tending sheep at the, you know, the description is the remotest, the most remotest place on the earth at that time. Like he's out beyond anywhere. And it's not just for six weeks or six months sabbatical. It's for 40, 40. Can you say 40 years? Like that's a long time. Like, it's like really, really 40 years. Anybody do anything for 40 years ever today? Like the guy's out there. What are we doing today? Uh, we're just taking care of the sheep. Here we go. This is a strategic plan, God, that you have for my life. Do you see, don't you know I've been trained? I'm like with the most brilliant minds in the earth at that time. And he's out just tending sheep. Talk about humbling yourself. Like Holy Spirit. Anybody ever have that experience? I know. God bless you with grace. <laughs> but I believe he took off the clothing of like the earthly prince of pride and arrogance and riches and put on the heavenly clothing of a prince, right? And I would call it like obedience and humility. He said, remember the Colossians talks about being clothed with humility. I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a good key. But I believe Moses, his decision to humble himself, surrender to God, and trust God, I think, I mean, we see it in Scripture. It impacted a whole nation, didn't it? It impacted a nation, not just at the time, but a nation for generations that it impacted. Isn't that awesome? 
So maybe you're surrendering, maybe our surrendering to God <laughs> and his ways and his will will affect the generations to come in your family line. Have you ever thought about that? Had to be somebody in our family line. So six kids got gloriously saved and we were not like, like going to church. Okay, folks? <laughs> it's like somebody in our family line prayed the price. Isn't that awesome? And humbled themselves, all right? And said, God, your will be done. Isn't that good? A little quick story about this guy named J.W. Van de Venter. Anybody ever heard of this guy's name? There's people in the first century did. This guy in 1897, he's a public art, he's a, a public school teacher and he teaches art. For five years, he wrestled with, God, should I go and become a full-time evangelist? Everywhere he went, he's getting people saved all the time for five years. And he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm just gonna be the art teacher that I was supposed to be. This guy finally surrenders to the will of God. And when he does, he said, okay, I gotta be a full-time evangelist. He pens this little song called, I Surrender All. And you're like, hmm. Is that the 18, this is 1897 people? <laughs> like 126 years ago. Like he pens this little song. Isn't that great? So he becomes a full time evangelist. He writes this song and he writes actually the lyrics to another guy who joins him to write the song. So he is visiting Florida Bible Institute, I think it is, in the early 30s. He, now he travels. He has a home, summer home in Tampa, Florida. And Florida Bible Institute, he goes there and he speaks regularly and he has students come to his house. This is pretty cool. Come to his house. And a guy by the name of William Graham comes to his house, gets so inspired by him that when he launches the Billy Graham Crusades in the 40s, he says, we should use this song when people come to the altar. Isn't that awesome? That's like amazing. What you don't know, that Billy Graham has spoken to over 210 million people in 185 nations. They believe it's almost three and a half million people have walked forward to the song, I Surrender All. Now, I know he's done some other ones, but that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? I like the guy J.W., right? Right? J.W., man, thank you for <laughs> surrendering to the will of God. Isn't that awesome? Like, you have no idea your surrender has the ripple effects, not just to one person, to 210 million people, three and a half million people that gave their lives to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? So think about that when God's drawing you and say, ah, let that go, okay? <laughs> it's like, ooh, okay? So surrender requires humility. The second, th second thing surrender involves is a lifelong process. This isn't a like, I'll do this and I got it done and what's next? Because I'm really good at that. Like, check it off. What are we doing next? It's like, no, you do this forever. <laughs> like, that's a long time, right? Joseph's a really good example of this, isn't he? Of choosing to surrender over and over again. This guy has all these dreams. He's the dude. He's got the... What the it factor and his brothers are so kind to him, right? Let's sell him. <laughs> They're so jealous and envious. They sell the kid at what, 14, 15 years old? He gets sold for the next 14 years. He has a long, slow life of surrendering to God. Gets clear, hey, I can serve again. Now nah, we'll put him back in jail. It's like accused wrongfully over and over. Like, that's intense. Have you ever been accused wrongfully? Wrongfully judged by somebody over you? It's, yeah. Surrender. <laughs> Pretty crazy, isn't it? Third, third thing that surrender requires is obedience. This is a given, right? Abraham's the father of, of our faith, right? That's what they say. He, he obeyed God and he, what did he do? Plan to sacrifice his own son. That's a pretty pretty intense level of obedience. Don't you, don't you agree? Noah obeyed God and built this boat when everybody laughed at him. And the popular opinion was like, this guy's lost it. The old man snapped, right? <laughs> Seriously. Okay. Jesus was obedient. He's the ultimate like example of obedience, right? Even he was, he was obedient to the point of death. And it says even death on a cross. That's a, that's a big obedience, right? Okay. Are you guys all right? In addition, surrendering to God requires number fourth, letting go. 
And I think this is one of the hardest things you do in your surrender. You have to let things go. What do you mean? I mean letting go of things that you're holding on to. I remember as a new believer, I was going to a small group and I was at Penn State University and our small group leader had this little sign in their window that said, let go and let God. And I thought, how lame, let go and let God. Like I wanted to rewrite it like, let's go God, because I'm in a hurry. We're going to change the world. I got 40,000 undergrads. I'm going to get 30,000 of them saved, right? At least this week. Next week, we'll get the other 10. No, I'm serious. But I remember going like, this is the dumbest statement in the world. Now, 40 years later, that was a really amazing statement. <laughs> a little maturity there, right? Isn't that awesome? I thought, wow, letting go of our controls. Are you there? And trusting that God is, he's in control and his controls are a lot better than our controls. I know some people really are challenged with being holding on to control. If you've got more than three or four kids, control's a good thing at certain times, right? Just encourage you. You're like, if I let go control, it's going to be all chaos instead of just five hours a day. Yes, I agree. Okay. But, but I mean, a control of like controlling everything. I can't hold on to it. It's like, God, I got to let some things go. All right. Does that make sense? See, when we're in control, we feel better about it, don't you? When I feel, when I can control what I feel, what I hear, what I see, when I know what I'm doing, this is my will, I got it. There's confidence there. When I let go of control, I'm like, I'm trusting that God's got the control. That's a bigger deal. We came to this building. We had to let, we had to let go because we were just trying to pay the electric bill. And I'm being totally honest. I told some young people the other day, like, I remember cleaning the bathrooms at midnight after church. They're like, wow, what a superhero. No, we couldn't afford to pay anybody. It was like, <laughs> we were scrubbing the toilets, John and I, because we didn't have anybody to pay to do it. We are like, God, we can't do this. True story. Does it make sense? But we had to let go and say, God, you brought us here. You know what it costs, so you got to provide. You there? And God has come through. Thank you, God, over and over. Like we've talked about our lifelines. We had a half a missionary, and then, now we have, I don't know, 60. I don't know, a part-time missionary is what I'm sorry, half. We had like a part-time missionary that hardly did anything. Now we've got a 60 full-time missionaries that are like, we're throwing as much money as we can. Right? It was up to Charles and a few of us. We'd give all the money to the missionaries, right? <laughs> sorry. Let's <laughs> stay a little here, right? Okay. Sorry, John. I'll keep us in. Lose those controls, buddy. <laughs> right. Just kidding. I can't get it. All right. <laughs> but I think when you, I, there's this part if we hold tightly to control, it doesn't always lead to freedom. Would you agree? And I think maybe sometimes our controls are disguised as our strengths, but they're actually our weaknesses keeping us from true freedom. I know that can freak you out. And it's just like, because God has been wrestling with me about the last five or six years or maybe longer. Just let go. You got to trust me. I'm like, oh, this is a different level of trust. You know what I mean? Proverbs 3, 5. You guys know this. Trust and rely confidently on the Lord with all of your heart. Don't rely on your own insight or understanding. That's hard to do. In all your ways, <laughs> know and acknowledge and recognize him. And I thought, many will make our paths straight. Isn't that awesome? Isaiah 50, 55, 9. You guys are familiar with this. The New Living Translation, I love the way it says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So the challenge is us surrendering our ways, us surrendering our thoughts and surrender to his ways and surrender to his thoughts. So I'm surrendering, letting something go, but I'm grabbing a hold of what he has. And I believe it's going to be way better than what I have when I can control. Does it make sense? It's a different level of like, God, mature us. I am so happy for this house because a lot of the leadership has been here for many years. And there is a maturing. And we love pursuing the presence of God. And I think God wants us to keep going in that direction. Be in a good way. We're majoring on the majors here. All right? 
And there's a song we sing, and we do it in the part of the song, I think it's open heaven and river wild, and we say, Lord, I surrender to your glory for your glory. So I'm surrendering to him and for him. So I'm surrendering to him, but he has all this for me, so to speak. So I'm not just letting go, I'm gonna grab a hold of what he has next. Does that make sense? His ways, that makes sense. Disciples surrendered to God when they left everything and they followed Jesus. Come on. They had to relinquish control of their plans, right? Their dreams, their family. Now, I don't think all of us have that extent where he's calling us to. These guys did. And they're like, peace, I'm out. Like, oh, boys, hey, brothers, follow me. And they followed him, dropped it all. That's pretty intense. All right? You there? But I love what Jesus says to the disciples in Matthew 16. This is New Living Translation, verses 24 through 26. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Whew. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross. The cross is a foreign concept to our culture today. Like, poof, poof. <laughs> like, really? Die. <laughs> like, oh, that's hard. <laughs> it says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? What does it profit a man if he gains the world and loses a soul? That's, a, that's an intense statement, isn't it? Ah, oh, Lord. So Jesus, I believe he models for all of us, the surrendering of his, of his will, of our will, of the will of man, right? Mark 14, verses 35, New American Standard says, he went a little bit beyond them. This is Jesus. And he fell to the ground and he began praying that if it were possible, that this hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, Daddy, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. This is Jesus. This is like if he's wrestling with it, don't you think we're going to be wrestling with a little bit too? <laughs> it's pretty intense, all right? So we're fighting the good fight of faith. We're surrendering. This last little scripture I have is, is, is the word surrender means submit. And if you look it up, the definition, you can find it all different ways, but it basically it's the same thing. And James says this really great thing in James chapter 4, verse 7. He says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he flee from you. Now here's the key. I believe if we, more than we surrender first to God, that he'll align our hearts for the proper place to fight the good fight of faith. Does it make sense? Are you with theirs? It's like, God, if I, the more I surrender to you, the more I'm going to be focused in the right place with my heart in the right thing, fighting the good fight of faith. And the enemy works overtime to get us to fight about the littlest things that don't matter, have no eternal value at all. Have you ever found that stuff? Like argue with your spouse about something. You're like, what are we, why are we arguing about this? I mean, it has no meaning at all. We don't do that at all, right? Of course, but, you know, others. <laughs> it's like, God, help us, all right? But he leads us to fight the good fight of faith in a way that it's like, God, we're doing this in a way. But I believe the enemy works overtime, especially when you're exhausted, especially when you're worn out, to just keep surrendering. There's a place where you do surrender, right? I didn't get into this at first, but there's a part where you surrender and you're surrendering, but there's parts God's like, no, 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 that's not, that part you don't surrender. So we need the wisdom of God when we're surrendering to the Lord, like, no, there's certain things he wants us to fight, the good fight. But there's another, he's like, hey, man, lay it down and let go. Are you there? We need, that's we need the wisdom of the Lord, all right? So we don't want to be in confusion. So we desperately need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all the truth, all right? Short story about my own family a few years ago. 
our kids all came back during COVID and most of you, you know, people got relocated all over the place. I struggled with it really difficultly because we really found out what our kids are passionate about and we kind of pushed them in that lane. One was going to be sports, one was going to be writing, one was going to be fashion, one was going to be entertainment. And we're like, man, go in that lane and we encouraged them. Find out what, a chore, what it says, raise a child the way they should bend and you want to go for that, right? Are you with me as parents? You want them to chase their dreams. So we got them all in their lanes. We're like, yeah, yeah, they're all doing what's God's at and we're empty nesters. This is awesome. Anyhow, I'm just being honest with you. And then 2020, everybody came back. I'm like, God, what is happening? This is all messed up. <laughs> I was loving to melt down. I'm being totally honest with you. I'm like, we paid a lot of money for these kids to go and do what they're supposed to be doing. You know? <laughs> right? Any parents can relay? Yes, I see those hands. All right? <laughs> or that smirk or something, whatever. <laughs> so I looked back and I remember like, and the reason we pushed them all in their ways, and, and, and it's great, ministry's great, but we didn't want our kids to do ministry unless God really wanted them to do it. You understand? I saw a lot of kids doing it because their parents were in the ministry, and they shouldn't be doing it. I'm just being totally honest with you. And then I just want to, like, God, do it if it's only if it's you. So I remember getting, I mean, I don't know, it's like two and a half years ago, I'm melting down in the front of the thing and, you know, 940 and, you know, I'm losing. I'm like, God, what is happening? Now I'm literally coming apart. Marcia's like, you okay? I'm like, no, I'm just having this fight with God because I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and I literally heard the Lord say, I have the plan, you don't trust me. And I'm like, that's so easy. That's so easy to say, God. Do you know how hard it is to walk it out? Are you there? It's intense, isn't it? You're like, Really? Really? <laughs> so, and I just, <laughs> sorry, just keep surrendering. Like, okay, God, I don't know the plan. I got to trust that you know the plan. All right? Did we do the right thing? Yes, we believe they're in the lanes and they're doing it. Believe that we have to trust the Lord's plan is bigger than our plan. Surrendering our will to his will is a bigger deal, right? And can be very costly, okay? Paul gets it totally right when he writes the, writes the Galatians. Last thing I'll share here, and then we'll have prayer. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. You guys know this. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer, I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Whew, that's a different level. There's a surrender, but like die, like, oh yeah, that's the cross. We got to pick it up every day. That's a different level. I believe the Lord is leading us in this place. And I, I don't, who knows what's going to happen in the world, but it's like surrender and then fight the good fight of faith. We want to get this right, don't we? We need his wisdom in these times, don't we? More than ever before, Okay. I thought, man, he goes on, Lord, says, it's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He's not long, he, no longer living for himself. Is that what he wrote to the Corinthians? 2 Corinthians 5, 15, he said, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who gave himself for them. And I thought, ah, lead us, lead us, lead us, Holy Spirit. Amen? So we need grace to fight the good fight of faith. Maybe you've been worn out. Maybe you're shot. Pray for a few people in the first service like, I don't know if I have any fight left in me. Come on, man. That's what we want to pray for you. All right? You want to keep fighting the good fight of faith. If you're struggling with control and you need God's challenging to let go, surrender, surrender, we want to pray for you too. All right? Does that sound good? Let's all stand. Come on. Thank you, Lord. So we'll just open the altar before we start singing here. If you want to like me, just a grace or a boost or a prayer to agree to fight the good fight of faith, I want you to come up on the right side. So fight on the right. If you need grace to surrender, come up on this side, all right? Just so we have someone, the ministry team knows what they're praying for. Does that sound good? Come on, just open the altars. We're going to go back into worship for a little bit. We're ahead of time. We're not even at 1230 yet. Isn't that wonderful? 
children's ministries, we'll be happy people today. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, okay, come on. We're going to pray for those who need grace to fight. Grace to like, I need to fight the good fight of faith. Come up on this side, all right? Those that want to surrender. Maybe it's just a bad habit and God's like, let it go, bud. I will give you the grace. Come up. We want to pray for you, okay? It could be the simplest thing like that. It could be a monster thing like, and I know many in this place have surrendered over and over again. You're here because you've surrendered to the will of God. I, I know people here. I know people have moved here because you've surrendered to the will of the Lord. And God has led you to move here. People have gone back to school. People have started businesses. I'm with you, man. I know there's a cost to surrender. All right? It is just giving our lives to him. Amen? So we want to pray for you. If you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord Jesus, we want to pray for you too. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. It's the most challenging thing you're going to ever do is to walk with the Lord all your days. But he's, he's inviting people's hearts to say, come on, come and surrender your heart. Even if you did it yesterday and you need to do it again today, say, God, I'm here. I need to surrender my heart. Let's pray for you, okay? Come on, ministry team, gather around these guys. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Come on, pastors, ministry team, jump in and pray. Holy Spirit, we pray. Do the things we cannot do here right now. Do the heart transformations. Do the operations spiritually. God, do things among us. God, we just thank you. I pray for those that need the strength to fight the good fight of faith. God, we pray for supernatural empowerment. Come on. We pray for power, God, strength. Come on. We pray for wisdom and discernment in this good fight of faith. Fighting the good fight of faith. And God, I pray for your grace to surrender in any area, whether it's the smallest of a, a habit or surrendering whole hearts. Surrendering whole lives, surrendering children to the Lord, letting them go and God dealing with them. God, we pray for that grace right now. In Jesus' name.
say that, declare it, we surrender to your glory and for your glory, God. For all that you have for us, God, we thank you for the grace to surrender, not just today, but God, every day that we live. Surrender our lives, that God, people would see you in us and meet you in us in our lives, God. God, thank you for strengthening those that are in this fight, the good fight of faith, Father. We pray for your grace in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're standing in, if you're among the chairs, just reach a hand out beside someone. Be, get close to somebody real close and families, friends. Come on, just lay a hand on someone. God, we pray for every person in this room. God, those that are online, God, we pray right now. Fill us. Fill the person we have hands laid on right now. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, we pray. Fill them to overflow. Make yourself real to them, God. Fill up their lives. Talk to them. Let them hear your voice and experience your presence today and all week long, we pray. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen, amen.